evening, let me welcome you tonight. We appreciate you being here and appreciate you taking your Wednesday night to uh, be here for this uh, presentation and then a question uh, answer time at the end. Um, why don't we open in a word of prayer this evening? Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Savior, Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here tonight and Thank you for Gary taking his time from his schedule and flying in and uh, being here with us and sharing his heart for, uh, Lord, helping us in stewardship here at Mount Calvary Church. Lord, I pray tonight that you would give us wisdom. May your spirit that indwells us, Lord, uh, just give us guidance tonight. Thank you for this opportunity we have to come together. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. What tonight is, is tonight is a continuation, really, of this summer when we shared on three separate months with you about our vision for Mount Calvary Church. And uh, so this is a continuation of vision casting and the direction we like to go. Uh, during that vision casting, one of the things that we shared with you that was important uh, uh, to myself and to Pastor John and to the board was about having a church that's not in debt. And uh, so this tonight is as much about getting out of debt as it is anything. And uh, we'll see that. And on the paperwork that we gave to you, we have three goals for a stewardship campaign. And goal number one was to pay off our current debt, um, which right now is about $100,000, $110,000. Uh, second was to set up a stewardship account of $250,000 that instead of going to the bank, uh, when we hit that time of the year uh, with pay and things like that with the school, instead of going to the bank, that we are our own bank and we have that money that we can draw from and then just keep replenishing that, saving us five to $600 a month in interest. But yet, that way we would be our own bank and we wouldn't be going into debt. Uh, and then the third was to raise sufficient funds for major renovation to our current church building. And we talked about that at the last um, meeting that we had about redoing the ceiling, carpeting, uh, new paint, new windows, uh, some sound work, and all kinds of things like that. So um, making the commitment to do that, but yet not going into debt and not spending one penny towards that until we have the money that we need to do that. Certainly not going into debt to, to do that. So that was why we've come to this point of where we are tonight. And the church I had previously been in, we did a stewardship campaign for renovation, and we had used a major company, and so when I thought about doing a stewardship campaign, again, I looked at several different companies and contacted a lot of different people, and I interviewed what I would call three of the major stewardship companies and interviewed their reps. And I chose Impact Stewardship basically because of the rep. And he's with us here tonight. His name is Gary Effinger. He is a, he is a pastor himself. He pastors a church. And uh, for my first conversation with him, my heart was stirred. Our hearts just knitted together because he had such a heart for ministry. I saw that this wasn't just about raising money. This was about raising disciples. And he resonated with our more and better followers of Christ. And... Uh, so when I saw that he had a heart for ministry and a heart for discipleship and a heart for biblical stewardship, I thought this is the man that we need to bring in. So we brought him in, and uh, the board interviewed him and talked with him, spent a whole night, and at the end of that night, the board felt the same way 
uh, about Gary. He has run several stewardship campaigns up here in Lancaster County, so he was familiar with the area and the people of the area. So I, I thought, boy, that's great. And uh, so I was excited, and after we left that meeting that night, I was more excited again when I got to spend time with him personally and see what a pastor's heart he had. And then I wanted you to have the opportunity to meet him and to interact with him and to hear about what they can help us do here at Mount Calvary Church. So we asked him to come back, and he graciously said that he would. So Gary, you come and share your heart with us tonight. Thank you so much, Pastor. And it is a joy to be with you. I, uh, I'm going to talk for just a few moments so you can get acclimated to my Alabama accent. Okay? I, um, and I do have my work cut out for me because I know most of you have worked like all day long. And, and if you're like me, you just enjoyed a, a full meal. And I know what those two equal. Uh, after I got through eating, I asked the pastor, I said, where, where do the kids take their naps at? I, but uh, it, it, I, and it happens to all of us. One time I dreamed I was preaching, Pastor Dick, and I woke up and I was. And so, you know, it, it happens to all of us. I am from Alabama. I want to just share a little bit about who I am and who our company is. And then I want to talk specifically about how we can help you in your stewardship, uh, with your stewardship needs. I, um, you know, let me just let, let me just start by uh, putting this into a biblical context for you, because in the Bible there are at least four capital stewardship campaigns. Now they didn't call them capital campaigns, but that's what they were. Uh, I define a capital campaign like this: it's when you are asking people to give for a specified period of time over and above their regular tithes and offerings for a capital project. Now, that's how I define a capital campaign. It's given over and above. And whenever, if we have the opportunity to help you in this endeavor, we'll ask you at some point to make a commitment to give for a three-year period of time over and above your regular tithes and offerings. We don't want you to take from Peter to pay Paul. We don't want you to quit giving to your, your regular missions and your regular budget in order to give to the dead or to the renovation because you still have your ministries that need to happen and you still have your missions that you need to support. So we're going to ask people to give over and above and we're going to ask them to do it for a specified period of time for some capital projects, some capital, some physical facility needs and things of that nature. Now, when you look at the scripture, you can see at least four examples of that. Over in Exodus chapters 25 through about chapter 28, Moses conducted a capital campaign. Now, he didn't call it that, but he did ask the people of God to give over and above what they were already given in order to fund a capital project for a specified period of time. And the name of that capital project was the tabernacle. And you go over to uh, First Chronicles and you find that David did the same thing. He asked the people to give over and above for a specified period of time to give the money to Solomon to fund the construction of the temple. Nehemiah had to have materials and resources to build the walls around the city of Jerusalem. And in Ezra chapter 2 and Ezra chapter 7, a guy named King Artaxerxes commissioned Ezra to ask the people to give over and above so it could fund the renovation of the temple. So you have some biblical examples of what you're considering 
engaging in where you're asking your people to give over and above for a specified period of time for a capital project. Now, that being said, let me just introduce myself to you for just a moment. Uh, I was a senior pastor for 25 years. I pastored the same church for 22 years. And sometimes people ask me, and I apologize for the raspiness of my voice, but you can appreciate the fact that last week I struggled with uh, a little head cold, and I'm on the tail end of it now, and, and uh, I, I thank you for your understanding, but I do apologize for that. But, um, but I, I did pastor the same church for 22 years, and sometimes people ask me, they say, man, if you were there for 22 years, uh, why did you leave? And I tell people I left for health reasons. Um, I was sick of them, and they were sick of me after 22 years. But that's really not the truth. The truth of the matter is I was a happy pastor of a happy church, and I led that church in three major capital stewardship campaigns. Uh, two of those were for, well, one of those was for the purchase of property. We purchased a lot of property around our facility. And the other was for the renovation of our campus. I pastored a church that happened to be over 100 years old. And uh, if you'd have walked into our facility, you might have thought that it was the original. But uh, so we did a major renovation, similar to what you're contemplating right now. And then we constructed a multi-million dollar facility. But we had these three big capital campaigns for those purposes. And every time we went through one of those, my wife would say to me, Gary, I see you doing this one day. Uh, She just saw that I had a passion for it. I was gifted in it. God blessed it. And I just shrugged that off because I was a happy pastor of a happy church. And uh, But she sort of had a prophetic word because about nine years ago, almost nine years ago, about a little more than eight, her mother got diagnosed with a uh, brain tumor. And uh, it did not affect her mentally, but it did affect her motor skills, and she was paralyzed on the left side of her body. And um, uh, my wife was her primary caregiver, and we lived about six hours away. And so for the first time in my ministry, we started praying about and contemplating the fact that God might be about to transition us in ministry. So I'm just going to give you the Reader's Digest version and tell you that that's sort of what precipitated that transition in ministry and allowed me the opportunity to start full-time working with churches like yours all over the country, helping them with their stewardship needs. And and by the way, parenthetically, I still preach every single Sunday. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've missed less Sundays in the pulpit since I've been out of the full-time pastorate than I did when I was a full-time pastor. But I'm, I'm in the pulpit somewhere every Sunday. There is a church I preach at on a regular basis, but I'm also invited to speak in a number of other churches. But uh, having said that, this is what I do full-time. And for the last seven years, uh, I have conducted over 70 capital stewardship campaigns. We just recently worked with a church in Littitz, Pennsylvania, and in Lancaster, Pennsylvania as well. Some of you may be familiar with LCBC. We just completed a stewardship campaign uh, for that church, for Trinity Evangelical in Littitz, and we're talking to a church right now in Hanover. So I am very familiar with your area and have worked in this area on a number of occasions. But uh, the Lord knew a long time before I did 
that he would have me in this particular area of ministry because when I was a student in graduate school, I have two graduate degrees, and in my doctoral program, I majored in biblical studies. And when it came time for me to write my doctoral dissertation, my professors told me I had to focus on one aspect of biblical studies. I wrote a 188-page thesis on the biblical basis of financial stewardship. I did that as a young man, never dreaming that one day I would have an opportunity to work with churches like yours in the area of stewardship. God just put something in my DNA. He gave me an affinity for that kind of uh, understanding of scriptural teaching uh, years and years ago. And so, uh, anyway, that's just a little bit about me. And and I, I tell you that to tell you, as the pastor said, I approach stewardship uh, from from a real biblical perspective. Uh, To me, uh, you saw on the first slide that I had up, uh, it's not so much about fundraising as it is about disciple raising because I believe that stewardship is a matter of lordship. And unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. And so um, in our stewardship campaigns, and I'll just tell you this right up front, There are no gimmicks, there's no pressure, there's no manipulation. We unapologetically want to challenge people to hear from the Lord and be obedient to the Lord, but what you do is between you and the Lord. But we have a strategy because there are two rails that that are involved in a successful capital stewardship campaign. There's a spiritual aspect, and there's a practical aspect. Now, the truth of the matter is, God has to speak to people in the context of a stewardship campaign about how he wants to use them to accomplish his will. Because everything we have, this facility the money in your bank account, the money in your pockets. Everything that we have, our clothes, our our possessions, our automobiles, our homes. I know that you understand the very first principle of stewardship is God owns everything, and I own nothing. And I am simply a manager, a steward of his resources. So if he wants to release some of those resources to use for his purposes, then he needs to speak to his people about that. So there is that spiritual aspect. I can't tell you the number of stewardship campaigns that we've conducted where pastors have said to me, Gary, this has been healthy for our church. This has been a good experience for our church. Even if we hadn't raised any money, thank God we did raise money. But this was like a renewal, a revival time in the hearts and the lives of our people because of what the Lord did in their church spiritually. But in addition to the spiritual aspect, there's also a practical aspect. And and God has given to, I believe, Impact Stewardship and to our organization a strategy that can help churches maximize their potential. And so we have some organization and we have some approaches and we have some strategies that can help you in doing that from a practical perspective. Sometimes people say, who does stewardship depend on? Does it depend on God or does it depend on us? That's sort of like asking who does 
witnessing depend on? I mean, who does, does it depend? Does evangelism depend on God or does it depend on us? Does stewardship depend on God or does it depend on us? Well, that's sort of like saying which wing on an airplane is more important. Because the truth is, to say that God could do it, and God can do it, but to say that God could do it without us because it's in his divine purpose to use us is to blame him when it's not being done. And folks, when it's not being done, it's not his fault, it's our fault. Whether it's witnessing, stewardship, or anything else. So it's, it's, it's working together. It's working, God's people working in unison with the Holy Spirit accomplishing his will. Those are the two rails that a successful capital stewardship campaign work, runs on. And I just want to share this with you. This really doesn't have anything to do with what I really want to get into talking to you about tonight. But a, a, a little while ago, a, f, a few months ago, you know, we work with so many different churches in so many different areas. And we, we customize for every church that we work with, for their unique personality, for their culture, for who they are. We do not have a cookie-cutter approach. So we, I, in the, Impact Stewardship has been in business since 1999. We're located in Brentwood, Tennessee. My home is in Huntsville, Alabama. But uh, our office, our headquarters is in Brentwood, Tennessee. We've been in business since 1999. We've helped over 29, we've worked in 29 different states, 19 different denominations. Now, we only work with evangelical Christian churches. We do not work with Mormons or Jehovah's False Witnesses or groups like that. But we, we just work with evangelical Christian churches. And, uh, but I did something a while back. I, I wanted to come up with a few statements about stewardship that regardless of a person's denominational affiliation or unique doctrinal perspective on some uh, particular theological issue, that every Bible-believing Christian would have to agree on. So I wanted to come up with a few statements that were undeniable, incontrovertible, unquestionable, absolute statements that every Christian would have to agree with. So I came up with seven. And I just wanted to share those with you real quick. Seven steps to faithful stewardship. Number one, God knows what the need is. Who could argue with that? The fact that you have some needs here at Mount Calvary that, you know, you do have some needs, by the way. I don't know if you've recognized them or not. If you come here every Sunday and every week, you may not see them as readily or as quickly as somebody like me who just maybe comes and visits your church or walks in. But there were some that were immediately apparent to me. <laughs> and I'm sure visitors and other guests that come see some of the same things. But the needs that you have, whether it's debt retirement or renovation of facility did not catch God by surprise. He is not up in heaven going, oh my soul, I had no idea that you were going to have these needs. God knows what the need is. I don't think anybody could argue with that. Second truth is God knows how he wants to use you to help meet that need. 
Every person has a part, and every person's part can make a difference. And God knows how he wants to use you. We ask people to pray in our stewardship campaigns, Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for our church? Third truth is, he's able to make you aware of how he wants to use you to meet that need. Fourth truth is, he's not going to ask you to do anything that he doesn't provide the resources for you to do it. God will provide your part. He'll reveal your part to you. He knows what your part is. And he's going to provide the resources for you to do whatever he asks you to do. Corporately as a church, individually as a believer. Fifth truth is, he's got the resources to do it. (laughs) He's not going to run out of resources. In other words, he's not going to ask you to do anything Uh, that he's not going to provide for you to do and whatever he needs to provide for you to do he has the resources to provide his resources are limitless our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills somebody says even in this economy churches are are, are stepping out in faith and they're doing things uh, financially and with stewardship and, and renovating and spending and building yes The Great Commission never goes into recession. God never says, okay, church, you don't have to reach anybody else for Jesus. You don't have to make any more impact in your community because right now the economy's bad. The sixth truth is, if if God knows my part and he's going to reveal my part and provide my part, I need to be in right relationship with him so I can hear from him. And that's why I said there's a spiritual component to this whole effort. It requires a right relationship. And the seventh truth is this. That kind of giving glorifies the Lord. That way we can't sit back after it's all said and done and say, well, look what Impact Stewardship did. Or look what Mount Calvary Church did. I'm telling you, every time I work with a church, my prayer is that when it's all said and done, that folks will be saying, you know what? Only God could have done that. And he gets the credit and he gets the glory for it. I believe that a successful stewardship campaign is built on four pillars. And let me just say a word about these. One is involvement. If, if we have the opportunity to help you, we're going to have some people, some of you perhaps in this room, will want to get involved in some not difficult tasks, but things that will help make this a successful experience. So we have some teams that we organize and we train. And whenever we're training, we're also teaching. But we'll have a follow-up team and a prayer team and we'll have a calling team and an event team and a children's team and and this team and that team. And so we're going to get a few people in the congregation involved because we believe the more people who are involved, the more they take ownership. And the more they take ownership, the more likely they are to participate. So there is an organization that is involved in this that helps people mobilize and get involved. Second pillar of a successful campaign is information. I believe in the power of information. 
one of the things that using an outside consultant like us can help you is help you communicate your vision and cast your vision. The truth of the matter is, I mean, the pastor touched on this, but the truth is our hearts really do beat very similar. Uh, There was an immediate kindred of spirit whenever he and I had opportunity to get to know one another. And I feel that that I I would share that with you as well. And the truth of the matter is I know that this is not just about paying off debt or renovating a facility. It's not just about the building. There's a vision behind that. It's freeing up dollars to be used for missions and ministry. It's making your facility more attractive and more functional in order to reach people for Christ and to disciple them. In other words, there's a vision behind the project. And one of the things that we can help you do is communicate and cast that vision to all of your church members, to your church family. And, we, and, and we're going to use all types of resources to do it. We're going to use printed material. We're going to use media. We're going to use a web link. We can use social media. We can do email blast. We can do a Facebook microsite. Uh, we're, we're going to use a, a town hall kind of meeting. We're going to use phone calls. We're going to use letters. Let me tell you, I've been around church members. I've been around church people long enough to know that they like to have their questions answered. And once they get past the very first question, the very first question that all church members have is, how much does this cost? But once they get past how much does this cost, and I'm being a little facetious, not everybody, that's their first question, just 99.9%. But, uh, the, the, um, but once they get past that question, they basically have three questions. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And what do you want me to do about it? What are you asking me to do? And I found out that church people are good people. And if you'll answer their questions, for the most part, they'll say, okay, we can do this. And so one of the things that we want to do is help to answer the questions, to communicate by giving information. The third pillar of a successful campaign is prayer. And, you know, I could spend the rest of the night talking about that because that's really where my heart is. Um, And we do believe that unless the Lord built a house, they labor in vain that build it. So we're going to have a prayer team, and we're going to train that prayer team how to engage the church in praying for God's blessings on this this, uh, event. And then, of course, the fourth pillar is sacrifice. I define sacrifice as giving up something you love in order to give to something or someone that you love even more. Now, when you enter into a capital stewardship campaign, whether you use somebody like me to come and help you or whether you just do it yourself, you're going to be called upon to give sacrificially. And I do not have a theology that says give till it hurts. You know, some preachers preach give till it hurts. You know, my theology is give till it feels good. Give till you can lay your head on your pillow at night and have a smile on your face, joy in your heart, peace in your life that you did what God wanted you to do. I have a daughter in college. My wife and I have sacrificed 
for her college education. We've changed some vacation plans. We've put off some purchases. We've done without in some areas to help her with her college education. And when I'm around my guy friends, or if I'm at my hunting club, which, by the way, I do love to hunt, and I'm around some of my guy friends, I whine just like any other daddy about it. But the truth, I mean, you know, books. I mean, we bought three books one semester. cost over $500. And since then, my wife hasn't even told me how much books cost. Um, But the truth is, I have incredible joy in my heart that we've been able to do that. That's sacrificing. That's giving till it feels good. You've done that for your children. Sometimes we're called upon to do it for our church. There are, a, and believe me, I know what I'm about to tell you is true. There are a lot of churches that you could join that will never ask you to sacrifice. Because they're not interested in doing anything for kingdom growth. You should consider it a blessing that you have a pastor, that you have a board, that you have some leaders in this church that have a vision that are willing to ask the people of God in this church to sacrifice. That tells me that you have some people that want to keep moving forward, that they want to leave a legacy for the next generation, that they want to do something. But it will require sacrificial giving. Now, again, I'm, you know, I'm not just trying to sell you, but I want you to understand how we can help you. Because some of you are thinking, why do we need somebody from the outside? One of the things that we can do is help people think creatively about how they can give. The average family in your church is like, okay, I'm married, I'm working, my wife's working, we have three kids, we're already tithing, now you're asking us to give more. How in the world can we do that? And so and one of the values that somebody like me can bring to the table is help people think creatively and outside of the box about how they can do that because I don't just go around the country teaching this. I practice this. My wife and I have participated in four capital stewardship campaigns. That's 12 years of over and above giving. So I've been on this journey with you, <laughs> and I can help you think of some creative ways that you can do this. So anyway... I just give you all of that by way of introduction. I've got a 90-second video of uh, just some pastors that we've recently worked with uh, just saying a word about our ministry. And after this 90-second video, we'll we'll have questions. How about that, Pastor? And we'll just open it up for questions. Introducing Impact Stewardship, a capital campaign stewardship ministry that helps churches locate resources and implement a spiritual plan to create a place that reaches the community. Since 1999, Impact has helped raise over $950 million to expand ministry space, enhance missions outreach, and retire inhibiting church debt. The result of us using Impact Stewardship is that we were able to raise more money so that we could 
expand the kingdom to a greater level. We are a church that has multiple campuses, so we were raising money to both campuses four and five. They came in with their expertise, um, their history of knowing how to do campaigns and do them well. We have used Impact for all four of our campaigns. We interviewed several firms and Impact was the clear favorite. They understand the local church. Many of them have been pastors or they've served with local churches. And the other thing that Impact to me is just off the charts on is the coaching and the training and helping you with major donor communication. And if I had to tell you what stands out the most about Impact Stewardship, it's going to be the values that they bring to the table. They stood out head and shoulders above the rest. When you're looking to raise dollars, you're serious about building, you need to talk to Impact Stewardship. They will be a great blessing to your church and to your ministry. I promise you. Okay, I could talk about stewardship all night, but I need to find out where your interests are. And the pastor asked if I would be uh, open to just answering any questions that, that people may have about this whole process. So, We're taping this, so if you want to ask a question, raise your hand and I'll bring a microphone to you so that you can have that questions that you have for Gary this evening. I have several questions. Okay. Okay. And I'm one of those people that wants to know about the fee. Okay. Okay, the fee is approximately $47,500. First off, how is that fee paid? Is that an all upfront fee? Is that a monthly fee? Or, and what time frame does the $47,000 relate to in the services provided by your, your company? Okay, that's a great question. First of all, let me tell you how we establish our fees. Uh, we do not get a percentage of the amount that is raised. If we did, I would be retired by now. Uh, because just in the last 18 months, I've helped churches raise over $100 million. Um, the, um, what, we, uh, what we do, that's a question too that somebody might want to ask. Um, what we do is we determine the fee based on the number of households that are in a church, the average attendance, the total number of members, and the annual operating general fund budget. And we take that and we put it in a template. And um, there's a formula that tells us for that, for, those, for that data what our fee is. Now, the reason we, one of the reasons we do that among many is because that's the way any other reputable capital stewardship firm does it. And we also know that all of our fees for like services are about the same, uh, that we're very competitive. Um, so, because we do this every week. <clears throat> so, that's how we determine the fee. The fee is paid, uh, the way the proposal that I shared and the agreement that we shared uh, with your church is set up is that the assigning of the agreement, you pay 
of that fee. And then you pay equal monthly installments up until your first Sunday of your three-year given period. Sometimes we call that first fruit Sunday. Normally, that is about a three or four month, excuse me, about a three or four month time period between the signing of the agreement and your first fruit Sunday. And so 20% down and the balance spread out in equal uh, increments over about a four month period. That is one option. Another option that we gave to your church, and some churches choose to do this, is just to pay it all up front. And if you do that, you get a 5% discount. Um, and the, the, you know, the reason for that is apparent. Um, but I will say this, you know, I, I, I'm the executive vice president of our organization. Um, I do have some latitude and, you know, I, I wouldn't want the fee structure or the fee payments to be a stumbling block if you needed to pay 10% down instead of 20% or wait till after First Fruit Sunday to pay, you know, 10 or 15% of it, uh, whatever. I mean, I'm willing to work with you, but that's the way we normally structure our fee payment. All right. Well, Go ahead. I'll keep coming. Please do. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you, you've looked at uh, the demographics of this ministry, of, the, of our congregation, and of our church. So this is kind of a two-fold question, and maybe the first uh, uh, question is, um, and this may be more to the pastoral staff and the board, if I can direct the question sure. to them. What, what is the goal uh, and I understand, you know, I don't want to limit God's right. ability here, but there has to be a goal yeah. as, as to what we're looking at in, to, in terms of total dollars raised and time frame of those funds being raised. Okay, let me, Pastor Dick, address that the best I can, and then whatever I leave out, you can fill in the blanks. Um, there should be a distinction, honestly, um, between the goals of a stewardship campaign and, um, and what the actual need is. Uh, I just did a stewardship campaign for a church in South Carolina that needed about $5 million. That was an unreasonable goal for their stewardship campaign, so we set the goal for their stewardship campaign at about $2.5 million, and they raised that. And so they're going to need another campaign to finish out what their actual need is. So there's a uh, sort of a distinction between what the financial needs are and what the goal of a campaign is. The way I help a church project the goals of a stewardship campaign, I do it from two perspectives. Number one, I know what the averages are. Number two... I take a survey the th at the third time that I'm here on your campus meeting with the, some leader, some campaign leadership that we will recruit and establish. I meet with them three times. <clears throat> the third time, I take an anonymous survey. I ask them five questions. One of those is a yes-no question. I take the data from that survey, and I, I'll have another template that I can put that information in, and it's more of an objective way for me to help project goals for the stewardship campaign. Now, it just so happens that 
I'm aware of what your financial needs are. And your financial needs are pretty commensurate with what the averages are. So, you know, you should, you should come pretty close to meeting your, your needs. And your needs, the way I understand it, and Pastor Dick can, uh, you know, uh, extrapolate a little more on this if he so desires, but I think it's around $1.2 million. And that would be pretty commensurate with um, the averages and churches that we work with. Is that average for the size of congregation? Mm-hmm. With your general operating fund budget being about 750000 850000 with your mission given, and I'm just using some really ballpark figures, but approximate. Um, we're, you know, for this kind of project, anywhere between one and one and a half times your annual operating budget um, and in some cases up to two times your annual operating budget is, um, is pretty average. Now, that's, uh, that's if you use an outside consultant, and that's uh, impact stewardship's averages. Um, the average for in-house campaigns, and one of the answers to that question on the screen, is about 65% of your annual operating budget is committed over a three-year period for in-house stewardship campaigns. And people ask me all the time, why, do you, why should we use an outside consultant to help us with this? And um, there's several reasons, and I'll, I'll deal with those in a minute, but one of those is the Lord, you know, do y'all have revivals? Have y'all had a revival? Is that something that's part of your culture uh, occasionally? Um, you, life Action Ministry, okay. I'm very familiar with them. Um, Don Graham used to be affiliated with them and a good, good friend of mine. Um, you bring a, an evangelist or a revival preacher. If you're having a marriage conference, you bring somebody that has specialty in that area. You bring uh, somebody that has... If you're having a mission awareness or mission conference, you might bring a missionary, somebody who's gifted in the area of missions to come in and speak to you. If you're, if you're having a uh, prayer seminar, prayer conference, you bring... It's common to bring somebody from the outside in for needs in the church where God has gifted these people to help the church in those areas. But sometimes the church has um, a little bit of hesitancy when God might want to bring somebody that has some expertise in that area, in the area of finances or stewardship to come in and help you. I will tell you this. Bank of the West is the largest uh, church lending institution in America. I've written two articles for national publications that they've, at their request, uh, that they've published. And most of the churches that they work with they not only insist when they lend them money that they conduct a capital stewardship campaign, but they, almost, they insist that they use an outside consultant because they know the difference between what an in-house stewardship campaign and using an outside consultant can mean in the terms of dollars. But, you know, I'd say... 
750000 to a million dollars is well within your means. You may not reach the full 1.2. I'd rather under-promise than over-deliver than to promise something that I have no control over <laughs> because that is between y'all and God. What you do. I can just tell you based on the averages. I've conducted 70, over 70 stewardship campaigns, and I can count on one hand the churches that did not do at least one times their annual operating budget committed over a three-year period. So worst-case scenarios, I, I, I mean, based on averages, $750,000. Okay. I'm going to keep asking questions. Sorry. That's okay. Unless somebody else has some. Uh, you live in uh, Alabama. I assume in the $41,000 fee is all the costs associated with your Travel to Pennsylvania, because you said you'll be here several, many times. Sure. Is that all covered in within the, within the $41,000 fee, your travel and lodging expenses? Everything. All, all of my travel, food expenses, airplane tickets, hotels, uh, rental cars, uh, workbooks, training material, Sunday school small group materials that we're going to provide for your children, your youth, and your adults. That is all inclusive. Now, there is an additional cost for some print and for some media options that we offered. But for as far as the fee, the consulting fee goes, it's, it's all inclusive. Okay. Uh, is this strictly an internal look for, for donors or the steward? Uh, do you look outside of the church? Is this strictly a, an internal I hate to use the word fundraiser. That's no, no, like I understand. But, but sure. Is it an internal fundraising right. solely no problem with that. operation or is yeah. it external as well? Yeah. You know, I met you uh, before this, this uh, service tonight. Is it Denny? That's correct. Denny? I th yeah. Okay, Denny. Um, man, you're asking some good questions. Um, the, um, I, I, it is internal. I, I personally have a little bit of an aversion uh, in a church setting. Now, we help in, with some Christian schools sometimes with capital stewardship campaigns, and that's a different, a different animal, <laughs> for, for, pardon the vernacular. Uh, but in a church setting, it's, it's, we just ask the people who make up that fellowship is who we're asking to support the work of that fellowship. Okay. Uh, the asking of the congregation is that uh, through home uh, is that through home visits, through telephone calls, is that combination? How how are the individuals within the church reached for their commitment? Um. There is a, um, uh, I'm, 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 the, I'm sorry, the reason I paused is because I thought about, I have another PowerPoint presentation that shows how that happens, how the process happens. And I was debating mentally whether to go to that or not. But let me just give you the short answer. We do not go into anyone's home for any reason. We do not call anyone and ask them to make a commitment to this effort for any reason. It's done in the context of your normal worship services, the promotional materials that we provide. It culminates with a day of commitment where people will fill out a, a commitment card. 
and uh, indicate what they can might be able to give over a three-year period. It will be confidential. Um, it's between them and the Lord. I recommend that those commitments be handled with the same degree or greater confidentiality than the Sunday morning offerings. And, um, but it helps your board and your finance team know how to anticipate revenue over the next three years. That's why we ask people to make the commitment so they'll know how to make decisions knowing how, how the money's going to come in. And um, on that commitment Sunday, Denny, my goal is there will not be, if we work with you, I'm telling you, if we, I can't promise you everybody's going to make a commitment because here again, that's between them and the Lord and we're not going to force them. Um, but I can promise you this, there will not be a member of your church that will come to church that Sunday and be handed a commitment card and scratch their head and wonder, what in the world is this all about? Because we are going, unless they just have been on another continent, um, we are going to come at them in so many different ways, but everybody equally through media, printed material, et cetera, et cetera. Video, strongly recommend a video. It's a powerful tool to communicate. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but go ahead. Okay. This is more, this is more toward the board and staff, okay? okay. Am I free to ask those types of questions? Okay. Uh, well, what, what is the consideration that's been given to the impact that, that, that this stewardship program over a three-year period will have on the Christian school in the fundraising efforts that go on for the Christian school because uh, that is a vital ministry of our church and many individuals within this ministry contribute up and beyond to that particular ministry through the fundraising activity. So what, what is the consideration or has there been consideration by the board of the potential impact it will have on the Christian school fundraising? I can, I mean, he, he's asking you, but I can, I, I can answer it from my perspective. And again, most of the time, most of the time people have and, and I, you know, here again, I can't say dogmatically, emphatically, it will have no effect whatsoever. I personally think it will have negligible impact because truth is people have different pockets. They give to disaster relief out of this pocket. They give to uh, the Salvation Army out of this pocket. They give to their church. There's a, there's a pocket, there's a place in their heart and life reserved for the church. And I'm sure the people that uh, appreciate and love the school um, will continue to su support it. Um, I don't think you want to put your church in a position where it has to be either or. Can't, it can't yeah. be either or. Right. The, the, this is one ministry. The Christian school right. and Mount Calvary Church are, are one. Right. It, there's not, we're not competing ministries, but we are. Both ministries, outreaches, rely on 
not only the tithe of its members, but additional giving mm -hmm. of individuals within this ministry. So, uh, you know, I've not been in your business, so I can't right. relate to that. Uh, uh, and I can't argue or debate the point that it won't impact the giving to the Christian school. Uh, I'm, I'm probably one of your skeptics here in the crowd. Okay? Oh, that's fine. That, that, you I, know, hey, I'm I just will, being honest. I'm, I'm one of the skeptics. This would be boring so, if it were not for you and you know, people like you. Uh, I'm serious. You know, I, it's, it's, so so yeah. in, in my, in my yeah. small mind, uh, I feel it will have, have an impact. Okay. okay. Over a three-year period, I feel it'll have an impact on the giving to the Christian school. All right. And I believe God can prove me wrong, and hopefully God will prove me wrong. So. All right. I'm going to change hats for just a second, and I'm going to put on my pastor hat for a second. I'm not your pastor, but I am a pastor, okay? I'm going to put my pastor hat on for a second. To not take care of the needs of this church when those needs are apparent and when they arise will definitely have a detrimental impact eventually on that school. I do know that. And I won't debate that. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree there because uh, this is one ministry. Right. Okay. And there, 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 there are impacts that travel both directions yes. within this ministry. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a blessing that comes from the Christian school to the church, and from the church to the Christian school. So, I, and I don't think it. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it has to be either or. Um, but I, did you want to say anything else to that? Um, the. Um, all right. Any? Uh, go ahead. Uh, I have. I guess maybe this is my final question okay. for, for now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're indicating uh, the need of 1.2 million. Uh, no, yes, uh, your pastor shared so, that with me. Okay, he, he, okay. Well, then yeah. they can answer yeah. this then. Okay, 1.2 million. So that would mean that we're looking at approximately close to a million dollars in renovation work because we have a hundred thousand dollar debt mm -hmm. to pay off. We have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to save mm -hmm. to be able to meet. So now we're at yeah, we're, we're, it, we're at the difference there, which right. is approximately not quite a million dollars. So I'm not... Okay. In fairness to the pastor, I latched on to 1.2 because I heard him reference that number earlier this evening in conversations we were having as far as what the need was. But just prior to everybody coming in here, uh, we had a prayer time together and I heard him reference also at that time a million dollars. So you might want to address, is, you know. In, I, I, in, in, I'm just curious yeah. as to what. So it might, we might what, just be talking about $800,000. I'm just curious as to what that 800000 right, is million. that, yeah, what, what, is, what that entails okay. in the capital. Okay. Yeah, well, and again, that's sort of a ballpark figure. B.J., went through about a month ago. Maybe you want to address this, BJ, how we came up with that figure since you, you did that. So why don't you come up and, and do that? But we, we've also, we, 
back before we even had talked with them, we had uh, Cornerstone uh, architects come in who had done the school for us. And uh, they did a walk through the building and looked and said, these are things that if you're going to update your building, these are things that you need to really consider doing to update your building. So we sort of went off of some of their thoughts and their proposals. Those things weren't final. And then we asked BJ, just give us a, a ballpark figure of, you know, what it was going to cost. So just share some of the things there. Um, <clears throat> what, we, what I did was, um, and in communication with, with the board and the staff, uh, I took a look at what our credit line is, okay, and historically what I've seen that credit line reach. And we know that we need capital, we need cash on hand for daily operation, monthly operation to support mainly swings and income and cash flow from the Christian school. Um, so that was one. Um, the other uh, part was I took a look at um, various things that, um, just from my experience in the construction industry, um, about 20, almost 20 years of, of taking, uh, doing renovation design work, um, I, we took a look at the things that we felt would need a change, uh, windows, um, um, carpet, uh, ceiling, um, doing something about the asbestos in the ceiling, uh, structural changes, uh, plumbing fixtures for the bathrooms, lighting. Um, there was an audio video, uh, AV sound component, uh, things of that nature. And so uh, using documented um, and published construction cost data, I compiled a general list of what, based on my experience of doing this for my career, looked at um, the scope of work that that would entail to give this, this room and our, our lobby out here um, a, a face, complete facelift and some structural adjustments. Um, I took that number and then I padded it, okay? I, I put some fat into it, as, as the slang would go, um, about maybe 20, 20, 15, 20% um, because of potential for inflation, um, changes in the economy, if uh, the building industry gets really good um, and contractors are busy, cost goes up. So I, we have to try to anticipate those types of things. So, and, and then, and so, so I, I landed on with those factors about a million two. Now, if we raise, if we retire our debt and we raise $250,000 for operating our, 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 our ministries. And then if we raise 500000 can we have a really solid project with that? Absolutely. If we raise $750,000, can we do great things to this physical structure? Absolutely. If we raise... A million or a million two, we may decide, you know what, we only need to spend 750K. Maybe we'll take the other quarter of a million and do something else with it, okay? So 1.2 is, is just uh, a shot, a, an, uh, a calculated, educated guess. I don't like to use guess, estimate, but it's the same thing, basically. An estimate at what we think our costs could reach. Okay, because we want to be um, we want to be educated on where we think 
the needs of a construction renovation project could land. So that's how that number came about. I think what's more important to us as a congregation and the dollars that we raise, um, uh, the board and the staff believe wholeheartedly that debt is a bad thing. So we need to retire that completely. We also know part two, we know that this ministry has huge swings in cash flow. Uh, the school ministry with tuition and different things, it's a large swing. It can be 100, 150, even $200,000. So we have this large swing. We know we need that cash to operate our business with, or excuse me, I'm used to a commercial uh, presentation, our ministry in a reputable and God-honoring fashion. We need that cash. We have to have it. So we have those two in place. Whatever's left, we take a look at a cap, a uh, renovation project so that we can give this place a facelift and, like he said, uh, you know, help change the things that are apparent and make it more uh, attractive when we bring people in and make an impact for Christ. And so as part of this, the fee on the other side of your sheet that you have, there's a reference to an architectural fee. That's in addition to what impact stewardship requires. That will help us to narrow down what the scope of work that would require just for renovation would be. And so once we have that, then we can actually start to give that information to some contractors who would be interested in working with us on a project and begin to narrow down what our estimate is and our guess closer to what actual anticipated costs would be. So that's where the numbers came from. So there's, there, you know, it, you really can't take a list of things that need to be done and there's not a exact list of costs that correspond. It's a broad brush stroke. Very good. Okay. How's that, Danny? <laughs> uh, I just want to clarify I wasn't looking for a detailed list of what was going to be done because I know that that's not the case but I'm just wanting to verify that we're looking at potentially an $800,000 capital project mm -hmm. and I appreciate the fact that knowing that it involves uh, the lobby narthex for your whatever you call it out there in this area. I, I just needed an sure. idea of where, where, me, where, where the construction renovation work is scheduled to take place or possibly take place. Did, did that answer here, this room and the yeah, that, welcome? Yeah, so, I wasn't, yeah, I just want to yeah. clarify. I wasn't okay. looking for a detailed list of gotcha. things we were going to do, but I was looking for the dollar amount. To yeah. Just to verify that. As Sounds well to me as, like anywhere between eight hundred thousand and a million is probably what you're looking at. Okay, I'll give other people opportunity to ask questions. All right, wonderful. Thanks. This gentleman here. So I, I guess this is more a question to the board. Um, so if we if we commit to this. Are we committing to all three steps? Are we committing to one and two and then revisit as a congregation step number three? Or are we automatically just going forward with step number three of 
of a, a renovation project. Now, this is a commitment to all three of those. Step one and two is where the, the, the initial money that comes in, that's where that's going. So no money will be set back into savings for renovation until we have that first 350000 um, So if we did, if we, our timetable would, this would be to start this in the spring and uh, do a whole series of messages on, on finances through, the, through uh, April and then in May to have our commitment Sunday and then have our first uh, Sunday where people would give two weeks later after that. And so we're praying that when that we have that first initial money that comes in from those first initial funds that come in immediately, we'll be able to pay off the debt and we'll be able to set that money back, you know, um, from, again, talking to Gary and initially looking what happens on an average in that first, right after that first commitment, the first Sunday that people start to give, he said it wouldn't be unusual to have that type of money to come in to be able to pay off the debt and set that back immediately. So that's our first, you know, our first goal is to do those two things and then to be able over hopefully the next three years to set the rest of those funds back. And we're not gonna, what comes in is what we're gonna put into renovation. We're not gonna, we're not gonna go borrow money to say, this is what we wanna do more. Whatever God provides for us, then that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna use to renovate. We're not gonna borrow to do that and and that's a wonderful motivator i mean for everybody if i was a member of this church it'd motivate me to want to, me to do my best because if we give five hundred thousand dollars we're going to get five you know five hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations and if we need eight hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations then we're not going to get renovated everything that we needed <laughs> so that's a motivation for me just to want to do my best and um that's Thank you, Pastor Dick, for answering that. There's a gentleman back here. <clears throat> and by the way, we will ask people to make a three-year commitment. Some people will give towards their three-year commitment annually. There might be a few that may just make three annual you know, gifts towards their commitment. Some people, there might be just one or two or a handful that may give their entire three-year commitment on the very first Sunday of the given period. We call that First Fruit Sunday. Most people, like my wife and I, three of our campaigns, we gave once a month towards our three-year commitment over that three years. Some people give once a week. Uh, the fourth campaign, I got paid different, so we gave once a quarter towards our three-year commitment. It's just however you feel led to do it. But like I said, there might be a few that are in a position to give their whole three-year commitment on that first Sunday. And that can help that get you some immediate, you know, uh, everybody knows the more, more front money you have, the better uh, you are. There was a gentleman right back here. Oh, you, okay, over here first. Okay. I got the mic. Okay. One thing, I do appreciate that you went back and looked at those studies in the Old Testament. Uh -huh. But clearly, when it came to building the tabernacle, God pretty much spelled it out almost exactly what was needed uh -huh. and what, what was the need. And, I, and, I, and partly is I wish we would have what the feasibility costs really were because we're doing a lot of estimating. 
Um, and there probably even needs to be a comprehensive look at both buildings, um, the heating, air conditioning systems on both properties are wearing out. Um, and you know, there's a, a more of a comprehensive look at what those true needs are on that capital. I do, on an encouraging standpoint, one of the greatest moving moments, and I've been coming here since I was four years old, was about 10, 11 years ago, when it was about the same weekend, we owed $181,000 on the new school building. And the leaders and the people of this congregation said, let's, let's get rid of that debt by Christmas Eve. And we did it. And I, I, just, I just want to remind people of that, that we did it. And it didn't take three years. We did it in 30 days. But we were all committed as a congregation to work together to do something. And so I, I appreciate the board and the pastoral trying to do a vision, get us in the vision. I think right now I, there's a lot of confusion as far as just specific things, because there's nothing specific at this point in that process. But I, again, I'm one of those folks that encourage. I was on your website. I know how you, one of the things you do is you try to talk people about appreciated assets and selling their coin collections and that sort of thing. I will say that we do have a lot of people here who already, with our school auction, give a lot of items that have already increased in those values at that school auction. And that auction is giant as far as a fundraiser for this entire ministry. Um, but on your website, you also had this thing that on your one page, it talked about that you were willing um, in your contract to add a performance clause which is on your website. Um, and I, I was just wondering on that, because I haven't heard that mentioned today on the performance clause. But that is on your website. So, Yeah. Well, in answer to your first, uh, to your first statement, um, we... Uh, you, you, and you're exactly right. In fact, I'm teaching right now in my church a study of the tabernacle. It's really interesting. I'm saying we're, every piece of furniture and the whole layout of the tabernacle uh, has a wonderful gospel message in it. A lot of uh, good typology, actually, and symbolism in, in the tabernacle that God just built into it with some New Testament truths. And the pattern was clear. Uh, the specifics of the pattern. Uh, God showed Moses on Mount Sinai uh, the pattern of the tabernacle. I don't know that Moses came down from Mount Sinai knowing, you know, the exact value of everything. He just knew what needed to be done. And, um, but it, um, these are things that are not really my particular area. These are things that, yeah, the board, you know, as far as the specifics and everything goes. I do know that you, that something needs to be done, and the sooner you start giving towards it, the better you'll be in a position to do it whenever the finite details are ironed out. No, I understand. And, I, I agree and, with you. I, I think in some ways, you yeah. here before we knew what yeah. the specifics are. In some, in, in some proposals that we make to churches, uh, we include uh, what we call a performance guarantee is the way we uh, is what we refer to that if you do not reach what we feel like is a minimum amount um, then we will 
reduce our fee by a few thousand dollars. Um, I did not include the performance guarantee in your proposal because um, honestly I gave you such a discount <laughs> from what our formula says a church your size would be, uh, the fee would be. And we, um, and I gave you in your proposal uh, what we call a print package uh, where I gave you the brochure, the uh, commitment cards, the privacy envelopes, letterhead, several print items for up to 200 households that we normally charge five or $6,000 for. And I included that in, uh, in our base fee. And so, for those reasons, we did not include the performance guarantee. In your uh, approach to this fundraising, um, what access to people's personal giving records do you ask to see or be made aware of? None. Um, I'm just thinking about this, and I'm, and I'm looking at the whole thing, and I'm just thinking we're making a mountain out of a molehill to me. I don't want to minimize the amount because when I look at a million dollars and I think, a million dollars. But if we have, and let's just say it's 200 giving family units, if you divide that, it's $5,000. And you say $5,000 is a lot to add to your budget, I understand we're talking about dividing $5,000 over three years, which, I mean, I, I'm like Dave. I, I think if we're real, you know, and, and you, you present something to the congregation, a need, and you let them know what the need is, and you get a real number on what it is we need to do, and we're going to do it when the money's in, $5,000 over three years, it's like, what, $30 a week. I'm off, but um, I didn't do that. Uh, to me, it just seems simple. I mean, we're making a huge deal out of something that is really not a great task. I think we're actually limiting what God could really do because this is, does not seem God-sized to me. This seems like uh, wake up, people. Let's just do it. it, it let me just say also that in... Um, that all I can tell you is that if you raise over one times your annual operating budget committed over a three-year period, you will have had an, a very good campaign. And, um, and I can, I can uh, you know, and, and I will say this too, that, that is, I, I'm a numbers kind of guy. I, 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 my life is ministry, but I grew up in a businessman's home. My daddy owned two businesses. He was my mentor. He was a godly man. He was a Christian man. Um, but I grew up in that kind of environment. Um, not, not, everyone, not everyone in your church will give the same amount. I promise you. And not everyone in your church should give the same amount.
because it's not the New Testament way. I just want to uh, use a term that a wise uh, advisor of mine, a wise uh, mentor of mine has taught me. Uh, Some of you know my background. I've been involved in Christian ministry for a long time, been in four different ministries. Um, The term is... uh, educated faith and it's a term that's been used as I've sat and watched churches, Christian schools colleges now go through various and sundry fundraising whatever term you want to use it, stewardship programs and um, I, I have seen, I think we need to go into every uh, stewardship program educated but yet we still have to have the faith that God will provide if this is really what God wants to have happen. And um, I could just tell you from my own personal experience uh, just what I've seen happen at LBC in the last year where I've seen God raise an amazing amount of money because I was obviously clear that that's what God wanted to see happen in our campus. And I could just tell you that if I really believe if we have faith in the leadership that God has provided for our church and they feel this is a direction that we should go, we should be educated in what we're trying to do, but at the same time we have to step out by faith and God will provide if that's what God has for us to lead as a church. And God will meet the needs of our Christian school and God will meet the needs of our church if that is really the direction that he wants us to go. So I guess it's not really a question, more it's a comment, I guess. So thank you. But well said. I guess this question is more for the board and Pastor Vaughn. Um, we are, if I read our bulletin correctly, we're, we're having trouble meeting our weekly needs. Where is the $47,500 going to come from that uh, we're going to pay your fee from? No, we don't have to, we won't borrow it. Um, we're, we're really meeting our needs. What you see in the bulletin is what is budgeted, but we're, we're below budget in our expenses. Is that right, Lowell? Can you tell me how much below budget we are? Okay. Okay, by the end of the year. So... That's, per, that's what our budgeted is amount, but we're actually running our expenses are below budget. So at the end of the year, uh, we're not going to be in the hole, okay? So, so we do have the money. If we were going to pay 10% down, $4,000. Well, it's telling you what the projected, what we need, what we need but but we are we're not running in the hole the church is not running in the hole right the need is based on the budget yeah. <laughs> y'all are like my church just cause it's budgeted don't mean we spend it <laughs> right exactly right
first of all, I uh, want to I appreciate Pastor and the board's commitment to pay off the debt. I think that's um, godly, sound financial stewardship, and it's biblical, so I, I appreciate that. And I think anything that we raise above and beyond, God will bless and will use. Uh, my question, I think many of us, or some of us, or probably a fair amount of us, gave gave money several years ago. I don't know what the exact amount is, if it's 70000 80000 or 90000 that's been sitting, I think it would, originally was for a, a building campaign or some, something along those lines, but I believe that's still sitting. Has there been any consideration? One, what's the amount, and this is more towards Pastor or, or Dave or Danny, but what's the amount that's in there, and can, why wouldn't we use that for, for this? Yes. And is there any reason why we wouldn't use those? funds that are sitting there for this purposes. That was a building fund that was set talking about building on the other property, I believe. Um, that would take a vote, would take a motion from the church to be able to use those funds for this it's it is building fund money so since it's going into the building we could do that if there was a, a motion from the floor and the church voted unanimous or not unanimously but voted um, to do that you could take that and you could pay both of those in one sweep and take the rest of the money and put it towards the capital campaign so you could you could do that if you want And I'm on your time, by the way. I'm I just, we want to answer everybody's questions, but um, I've pretty much said. Yeah, we're going to take this last question. Yeah. And then what we're going to do is we're going to be in the Sunday schools the next two weeks. And so if you have other questions, you can then address them in the Sunday school classes these uh, next two weeks. There'll be representatives from the deacon board who will be there. Uh, over the next two weeks in the Sunday school classes. Not the whole time, but part of the time to answer any questions that you have. I'm just following up. Is, is that $93,000 there? Is it liquid? Yes, it is. It's in a CD. It is there. Okay. Anna, okay. <laughs> Only because Flora said so. Thank you. Um. I have just kind of a, a basic question. I, I think we all understand that we're wanting to, you know, pay off debt and that the line of credit would be a good thing. How did you determine um, when it's probably not easy to come up with a measurable um, analysis that a certain amount of renovations is, is something that will help us to make more and better followers of Christ? And why do we, why do you feel as a leadership um, staff that, the renovations are something that we need to do in order to be able to achieve that spiritual goal now. Um, and, and kind of a second part of that, why didn't we have anything built in there for missions, like something that we know is tangibly going to go out to um, evangelize and, and reach the lost versus putting the renovations before that? Well, because... We have to take care of this building 
to be able to make more and better disciples of Christ and taking care of this building, I think, is renovating. If you look around, you know, and I didn't ask Gary to do this tonight. He, when he walked in, before he just started looking around at our building, he said, well, you know, wow, look at your ceiling. Something needs to be done about the ceiling. Look at the cracks and the walls, you know, the carpeting, you know, all of those things. Nothing has been done to update this in, in a long time. So we felt that that's important. So when, you know, when people come in, just like I don't know about you, but at our house, if I'm going to have guests, I try to give the best, best presentation that I possibly can of my home. This is the Lord's house. And so we want to give the best possible presentation that we can when people walk through the doors. And uh, our building gets used here all the time. Um, and we, we have a beautiful school building. We really do. And I'm, I'm excited about that school building. I'm excited to walk people through that building. What I have to tell you, I'm embarrassed at times to have people come into this building and go into our men's room, to go into our ladies' room. I'm embarrassed. And so, you know, I, I want to present the same type of look here that we have across the way, the same inviting. I'm, I'm excited when we get to have our open houses and walk people through, and I hear people say, wow, these floors are phenomenal. Well, I want to give us the same presentation in this building that we have over there. So that's why we, you know, and I think we are, you know, does that, is that going to get more people in the door? I don't know. I can't tell you that. I just think over the long run, this is how we looked at it. Do we want to build another building? Well, I'd like to, I'd like to be the pastor of a new building, but I don't think that's the right way. I think what I want to do, what we want to do, what we talked about is give this the best presentation that we possibly can and pack this building out, not just in one service, but pack it out if we have to in two services. And then whenever that is, if that's next year, if that's five years, if that's ten years down the road, then we look to build. I think that's the best use of God's money. And so we looked at what would be the best use of God's money in reaching the most people effectively. So that was sort of how, how we came up with that. And I have to say, I wasn't being critical. No. Uh, when, but just from an outsider's eyes, you know, I, no, for, I noticed the water stains up here. I noticed the black stains shadowing off of the vents. I noticed the cracks all the way around. I noticed sort of the dated, just the dated appearance. And I wasn't being critical, but an outsider coming in, when you have a guest, when you have visitors, these people go to the hospital the floors are immaculate. The The hospital normally is a very nice building. They go to your school. They have a very nice facility. They go to their office complex. They have a nice, modern, updated facility. They come to church, and it's... I'm not being critical, but I'm just saying, I used to tell my people, if people think you don't take care of your buildings... Why on earth would they think you would take care of people? So it, it, it does enhance the opportunity to reach new people. I'm probably giving more information than I should. I just, but it's just my heart. It's my thought. I want to see, I want to see you guys maximize your, 
your potential. And I got to tell you, y'all have a beautiful location. You're a light on a hilltop in this community. I love your campus. Continue to think about questions. We want to continue to answer your questions, and that's why we'll be coming. And I know some of you might not be comfortable in asking questions on this, you know, this much of a crowd. So if you'd like to ask questions to any of the deacons or to Pastor John or myself, please do that over the next several days. We'll be glad to answer those questions or to take your feedback over the next several days, over the next several weeks. And again, we'll be coming as deacons and pastors to the Sunday school classes and taking uh, your questions over the next two Sundays in Sunday school classes. And so to give you a chance to think about, it's hard, it's, you know, you sit under a presentation like this tonight, and you'll walk away from here, and you'll sleep on it tonight, and you'll, walk, you'll wake up in the morning and think, wow, why didn't I ask Gary that question? Do you want to give him your phone number? I will. No, I'm just No, kidding. seriously, hundreds of people have my cell phone number. And uh, I give it to every team that I work with and every church that I work with, and I have a 24 policy. If at all possible, I'll call you back. If you get my voicemail in 24 minutes, I promise you I'll call you back in 24 hours. You want to write my cell phone number down? And if you have a question, uh, the pastor has it, others have it, but it's 615-497-6868. And I really will love to, you know, to answer questions. I know a lot of what y'all have asked are questions that internally y'all, you know, you have to deal with. I've just tried to shed a little outside light. And I gave, and by the way, I gave the pastor and the board a list of all the churches that we have worked with in the last 18 months. I can give you a list of all the churches we've worked with in the last five years. But I, but I gave you the last 18 months, and I gave them the results of every one of those churches. I also gave, gave them somewhere close to 30, 50 references. And um, many of them are in your area. And um, so I, they've seen the results. And, uh, and I just wanted, I didn't know if you had shared that with them. But, um, but we have given to them, to be honest with you, a whole lot more information than we've even been able to give you tonight. And I just wanted you to be aware of that. Let me just say two things. Thank you so much for giving up your evening to be here tonight. I really, this is a great crowd on a Wednesday night. Let me thank Doreen and our kitchen staff who did a phenomenal job with dinner this evening. Yeah, give them a hand. Really appreciate that. Um, so then I want to thank Gary. Um, you know, you asked the question about does all your flights and all those things, is that in the fees? This is his second time here. And he's not charged us a cent. And you know what that tells me? He has a heart for ministry. This isn't about money for Gary. This is about ministry. And when I called him and said, listen, we really feel, our board feels it would be great if you could come back. Because we just fell in love with him. If he could come back and present to you. And I said, you know, we'll pick up your expenses. We'll take care of your flight and those type of things. He says, no, I'm not interested in that at all. So both times he's come, he's come at the expense of his company. And that tells me the type of company that he represents and the man of God he is. So I appreciate that. I want you to know that. really do. Well, let's pray. And uh, thank you again for your time. Thanks so much for being here this evening. Great, great questions. 
and continue to keep that feedback coming over the next couple weeks. Father, we do thank you for this time together tonight. Lord, I thank you for our congregation. I thank you for their desire to want to see us move ahead and make more and better followers for Christ. Father, I think of all the exciting things that go on here. Lord, I think of our wrestling program that's getting ready to start next week. I think of Upward that kicks off this Saturday. And uh, Lord, all the the things that are going on in the school in the month of December, Lord, we thank you, Father, for some great finances that have come in just over this past week, Lord, close to $70,000 for the school over this past week. And we just thank you and praise you for what's going on here. And we give you the honor and the glory for it. Father, thank you for just the friendship that we've already forged with Gary. And uh, Lord, we pray for his ministry, Lord, as he travels around the country, Lord, trying to encourage your church, Father, to step out by faith and to do great things. Lord, I pray you continue to bless his ministry, continue to meet his needs physically and spiritually, emotionally and financially, Father. Uh, Lord, even tomorrow as he travels back, give him safety. Lord, we want to tell you that we love you. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.